Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me Episode 20 Fighting Highway Hypnosis and the Economic War on Rest Originally published May 7th, 2022 I just got back from a very epic trip to resupply some items and um, procure some, some new items and they're crucial to the health of this um, ecosystem that I'm building out in the desert and I'm very excited to take the time probably the next episode or two um, to uh, list list all of the um, very important upgrades that are happening because of that trip. But um, it was, there were a lot of observations that I was able to make having this, I guess, um, yeah, it, it's been about uh, over three months of abstaining from, call it a, a road fast, <laughs> for a three after a three month road fast I had a lot of um inner inner turmoil, inner turbulence, a lot a lot of thoughts and feelings um stirred up around the leading up to getting back on the road and being on the road and then making it back from the road trip and thinking and feeling a lot about about that experience in in a new context which is after having been a driver for I I got my license later than most people I was already I was 21 when I got my license and um interesting story around around that but well, that's a testament to uh <laughs> how bike and bus and walk friendly my um my life in uh, portland and then eugene oregon were were conducive yeah i had to bum rides and whatnot but i was a master of the bus system as a teenager and um and for the most part uh at a certain point yeah my life was a bikeable life uh in the last in 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 the latter latter percentage of my of my life in Portland it was a bikeable and and busable life for sure and then in Eugene it was 100% bikeable and walkable then moving to LA uh, which itself is another funny story but um tragically comic story but uh that began whatever it was 20 tw almost 20 interrupted uninterrupted years of driving almost every day 
in traffic sometimes and many times rush hour rush hours both to and from whatever the um wage slavery uh experience that i had that i had to do, uh, deal with um that was uh, a long that's a lot of numbing out that has to be done the armoring emotional etc armoring that has to be done to um endure that many hours i don't know i wonder how many hours that i've uh logged in that in that condition and um still i would find ways to to i would find ways to minimize that as much as possible including things like living in my trunk of a small honda <laughs> while working at a corporate office job in a cubicle and um showering at the gym and um using the the company uh lunch area fridge the crisper box to store my perishables and they love me so much and I love them so much and they knew my style they let me get away with it they just said don't tell the other employees that you're homeless and that you sleep in your trunk around the block <laughs> and that you you stagger into work you know tucking in your shirt a few minutes before your shift starts and then you stay after hours to have your dinner <laughs> out of the out of the you know I mean I I was the the uh what do they call it um I was doing the the hard sacrificial uh life hacks in order to to do my time in the workforce and then be adapted to minimalism um and urban survivalism so that I could eventually get out. Now I'm free. Now I got out and hopefully I'm never going back. But um that I I spent a lot of time driving. I spent a lot of time sleeping in my car on the side of the road uh and having to um basically live a lot of Mad Max type scenarios within the ostensibly not yet fully Mad Max modern world. In other words, there were protocols that i would have to develop to be a vehicle dweller uh in in all kinds of different environments and i figured out ways to stealthily car camp in very very rich areas and stealthily car camp in very poor areas and uh there's a lot of thinking and design strategy that um I would say I'm thankful to permaculture for as a design system to help me think through a lot of different variables and help me design and think about just multiple factors, multiple dimensions, the dimensions of time. Um there's so much if you are a certified permaculture designer or an enthusiast who has not as yet uh achieved a, a design certificate the application of the permaculture design system to any problem that you would ever need to solve it's um it's an exquisite gift to have to have that training and um if you have had the training you know exactly what i'm talking about if you're curious or uninitiated completely into what permaculture is and what it has to offer as a design science a way of learning uh design techniques and and strategies um 
I'm always going to, yeah, shout it out. Uh, and it is more freely available to study than ever before, uh, given the the resources online. So back to getting into this discussion of what is really fresh in my mind and in my heart about car culture and my relationship to it spanning my whole life. Um, narrowing the focus on this last trip, it's really my I rely on my the guerrilla urban survival vehicle dwelling skills that I honed over the course of many years where I was basically um, what is the word a uh, I, I guess my, my the a rent resistor that's probably what it would be so yeah, as a matter of fact, to this day, I have absolutely no residential, um, maybe there's one, maybe one place and it was left in good standing, but, but I pretty much have no renter's history. I've rented commercial spaces, which seem to have a lighter, a lighter touch when it comes to digging into, I mean, I have a, a clean criminal record, a clean driving record, a almost but not totally spotless credit record it doesn't mean I have great credit but I don't have terrible credit so at this point on paper you know I could <laughs> there's some places I could probably run for office but not many but uh interestingly despite being a uh on paper relatively stand-up citizen um I just refused, certainly in Southern California with the prices that things are at. I figured out ways to rent closets or rent trade services like doing permaculture in someone's backyard for a room that month. You know, that I became a master of that um, gift economy, the gray market, whatever you want to call it, because the pain working for the most part for me building someone else's empire for minimum wage or not even much more a lot of the time over the years um it's soul crushing and if everything feels 10 or 100 times heavier on my back and on my mind and time moves a thousand times slower when you're working for somebody else to build their dream that they own, that they're going to get the lion's share of the value out of, uh, and you're basically expendable and you're, you could get fired if you show up late, you know, more than a couple times in LA traffic. How much do you have to sacrifice to show up to be woke, to be severed violently from your beautiful REM state dream life and be then by a horrific sound of an alarm clock have to abort the dream uh, sacrifice the time that is healthy to spend processing dreams when you wake up to to really uh, savor the, the, the good and bad of the dream and also kind of integrate it as if it was a shamanic ceremony of sorts yeah, cleave off, very jagged cleaving off of all of that value of, of, of human existence so that you can stub your toe, 
burn yourself on the stove, burn your lips on the coffee or whatever, and just have this horrific circus act of a routine to get out the door and then put other people's lives at risk, including your own, by rushing to get to a place so that you don't have your entire life destroyed and you end up on skid row (laughs) within two weeks of your pink slip or whatever. I mean, that reality of of, um, wage slavery, yeah, I I didn't want to I figured out how to how to live within walking distance of my job by fucking sleeping in my trunk, you know, at times of a small car. And I I could barely roll over in there. I had to be in fetal all night, had to piss in a one gallon uh, jug and hope I didn't fall asleep with the cap open, which has happened and wake up covered in your own piss. Sorry to do the TMI thing, but uh, yeah, it's been rough. And then not to mention you're sucking the exhaust. <laughs> Who knows if you're going to wake up dead because someone smashed into you in the trunk. Uh, yeah, but uh, I think there was one time where a ghetto bird helicopter with infrared vision was flying over and maybe they were looking for a fleeing suspect of a crime or something. And uh, and they spotlighted me as I was... Um, I don't know if I think I had, yeah, I was in the trunk and I noticed that there was a spotlight on me. So I dove out of the trunk back into the driver's seat and waited for a few minutes while they kind of swept me back and forth with this spotlight. And I, and I had to wonder, I'm like, fuck, were they doing some kind of infrared scanning? And they saw there was a body in a trunk. <laughs> and then they kind of hovered for a minute going like, is that, you know, I imagine if that was the case in my paranoid mind, either it was totally a fluke and just total coincidence, or it was like, yeah, they're just doing their thing. And they're like, uh, that's a a body in a trunk that's alive. We better investigate that a little bit. So anyway, if they were like double take and they look back and like, no, no, you're wrong. That, that somebody's in a driver's seat. They're not in a trunk. But... I'm not going to get too too into the weeds in all the goofy stories, but I will say just to give myself a little bit of credit to make the claims I'm going to start making about how I would endeavor to have a a sort of um, a New Deal sort of policy visionary concept of what it would look like to be in a in a permaculture informed optimized car culture reality where there's a bit for me you know for me i'm not going to just say bigger bike lanes and more um stop signs and green vehicles and renewable it's of course all of that yes and what i would like to add to what we already know about how we can make car culture greener and safer for pedestrians bicyclists other drivers etc. Uh, I don't have too much to add to, to that to that material, but what I will add, which I believe would be a very um, marginal, is um, what how you could do more with less in terms of policy around making the road safer in regards to the phenomenon of highway hypnosis. 
So, it's a fact of modern life in car culture that when they say drowsy driving is drunk driving, if that's on the um, the overpass hanging digital um, sort of alert message boards that are out there and you see different PSAs, you know, COVID safe, stay home, wear a mask, etc. Um, accident ahead off-ramp closed, you know, when those aren't being occupied by an emergency message, they generally have like a, a public PSA. And um, it's well known that uh, drowsy driving is, I don't know what exactly the statistics are for it, but drowsy driving is a cause of um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the accidents that tragically occur on the roads. And um It's not insignificant, and I think there are a lot more drowsy drivers than there are drunk drivers, and it, by by miracles, by guardian angels, there's no other explanation. There's no, there, The proof that guardian angels exist is the fact that I'm still alive and that a lot of people are still alive who drive out of financial necessity or romantic desires or evading some danger uh, whatever the cause of not having the not being facilitated to rest properly before operating a motor vehicle those factors that the factors that uh, that get that get amplified and get uh, magnified, the factors that result in in accidents caused by drowsy driving and highway hypnosis. There's some of them are are so chaotic or beyond. I mean, you can't litigate, legislate everything. You can't create policies for everything i'm a small government person anyway um so i think out of the box in terms of regulating it yeah you know what i've heard of technologies that would i don't know if this is something i don't know where i heard about this but i but it it piqued my interest because i i find myself um susceptible to highway hypnosis um more than i feel like i'm i'm for whatever reason uh extra susceptible to highway hypnosis if if i <laughs> if i find out that my insurance policy rates uh triple the app the day after i release this podcast well um there's some really sophisticated ai at work or i don't know how i could possibly have fans that work at the insurance companies but i think it's very underestimated as a factor for the deaths on the highway and when i am gonna file this under tactical permaculture it's like if if the one of the biggest silent wars that are going on is the the casualties of the road and um that's a lot of boys to die you know if not 
trying to speak to make a gender joke here, but it's like um, sending the boys off to war, now sending just the young folk off to war to be gender ungendered in the statement. It's like, yeah, you get in, you get behind that vehicle, you are a weapon. Uh, you are a you are a suicide bomber if you turn on a vehicle and you get on the road and you go more than one mile an hour. You're a fucking suicide bomber. It, potentially that's no fucking joke and maybe a lot of people you know they veer off the road hit a fucking telephone pole or a tree and they suicide bomb themselves and that's the end of them and hope the tree heals or they can put in a new but that a new telephone pole or whatever but um but let's be real about the uh the battlefield that um that 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 the highway is and that all roads are and i've heard a lot of accidents happen very close to the home. A lot of ap- accidents happen backing out of a driveway. And there's a lot to look into and study and research. And um, you don't have to be, you know, a, an expert to, to glean just some of the headlines and whatnot. I subscribe to a global feed of disaster, natural and human-made disasters from all over the world. That's my prepper porn uh, guilty pleasure of doom scrolling. I don't doom scroll on apps. I doom scroll on this one feed that aggregates the very obscure but very significant patterns of of failures of infrastructure, outbreaks of diseases, conflicts, security issues, uh, and you know every every day I would say a third at least of the um, incidents that are reported, which obviously represent a, a, a minute fraction of total traffic accidents that occur, there's all kinds of heinous multi-casualty, mass, m- heinous mass casualty accidents um, on roads all over the world. And, um, you know, I've been to places in the world where there are, there are no stop signs, there are no signals, there's no red, yellow, there's just total chaos. And, um, and I, I, I survived that and I, and I was in totally distressed experiencing that both in taxis and on buses. And just, it's like honking a horn is what you do to speed through an intersection. You don't slow down. You don't come to a full stop. <laughs> you don't do a California stop and like roll through the stop sign. You just bla- blaze through it. And all horns blazing, you're going through that stop sign and anybody who's there for whatever reason is going to get plowed down. I mean, it's, yeah. So I'm not trying to even approach at all what goes on in countries with virtually no traffic regulations or no infrastructure to mitigate that kind of stuff. Just looking at the, my paradigm and, and the paradigm of places in the world that are governed by traffic laws and whatnot. It's like, um, yeah, I don't need to, I don't need to spend a lot of time in the horrific, trying to dig up horrific statistics about proving a thesis that the road is a, um, unacknowledged, never ending battlefield with astronomical casualties that make year over year cumulatively probably all of the wars that have ever been fought look like um, 
are, they, they will be dwarfed and get, excluding some some horrific exceptions of course but uh but who knows maybe maybe someone who's listening to this is a math genius and they go yeah let me make a little formula and it'll, and I'll I will I will calculate the average global deaths and maimings of vehicular traffic and compare that to what's known on record about battlefield casualties and then we'll know what's the bigger war um certainly there are <laughs> less people dying of marijuana overconsumption than there are of people dying of um all all types of 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 driving uh accidents so yes the discussion is framed driving is dangerous it is a dangerous battlefield and there are no friendlies and there are no uniform soldiers everybody including yourself is a combatant on that battlefield and despite all of the rules and penalties um it's 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 probably in some in some ways it improves in some ways it it gets worse during the during the i will dare say ongoing pandemic or i should say since the beginning of the pandemic traffic statistics of casualties has in some places i don't know how many places it's gotten worse because when the roads were were opened up because of the lockdowns people on those roads had less mitigation of their driving speed due to there being congested traffic now they felt free to fly and go far above the speed limit and um you add into that mix of people speeding recklessly because they can um i couldn't fucking believe it the few times that i have been on the road since the beginning of the pandemic i could not believe how more how much more dangerous it was to be driving given the fact that everyone who was on the road seemed to be driving so much faster and then you add to that since the lockdowns ended and the <laughs> and the roads are clogged again even with re- probably some in some places record breaking gas prices it's um it's dangerous now because the the, the extreme uh we'll call it the the, stri- the dissolution of the middle class if you will the extreme income inequalities that the pandemic exacerbated creates more people with less to lose and more recklessness more drug use more more intoxication to numb the pain of living in even worse conditions of poverty so you have just again more and more factors <laughs> and uh I'm not a transportation expert but uh I know some transportation experts and uh <laughs> um I'm not yeah I'm not saying anything that cannot be observed like a permaculture designer would just look at things to observe and sort of reverse engineer from what they see and so what are the so what given that the the problem set is that driving is a is a is a is a insurgent guerrilla battlefield it's a fog of war that can make uh make the whole experience into the tragedy of of like friendly fire in in a a normal normal conflict of sorts it's a very treacherous dangerous situation and I remember I had a a a lover who 
uh, I think it was a sociology class, social psychology, I think it was, that she was taking, where the professor started the class at the beginning of the semester with a with a question, a sort of rhetorical question that was um, something like this. It was this idea, this question about uh, would you find it to be morally upstanding, um, prudent, uh, legally sound, basically as a citizen of a, of a nation that is governed by rules or a citizen of a, of a city, county, state, whatever you want to call the, the size of the jurisdiction, would you allow a technology to exist that killed X number of people a year, um, and and it was a, it was a well crafted sort of um, well crafted intellectual exercise to invoke people's sort of intuitive sense of the just extreme wrongness that traffic life, if if if, if I may, if if you will, that that at what we take for granted as as our traffic life, if you were to frame the questions of whether or not that should be acceptable as it is um, and you took away what we take for granted which is that uh, that's just the world we live in say la vie uh, que sera sera you know whatever you want to however you want to um, abandon the responsibility to, 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 to redesign it and just resign and say what the fuck say what the fuck it is what it is what can i do about it i gotta in fact i gotta go to work and i'm late so then you hear the screeching sound of the wheels and then you hear that smash and then you hear the sirens and then you're at the funeral so she told me that she was profoundly moved by the experience of hearing that professor reframe the question of whether traffic as we know it should be allowed <laughs> should be tolerated and it was very clear to her when it was just a variable like an x factor of like what the technology is that's so lethal that's so prone to accident failure not even getting into recalls and the design flaws of the manufacturers but just the road and the rules of the road and the statistics of of maimings and fatalities uh, that occur and everybody in the class not knowing what that x factor was and it wasn't really like alluded to i don't believe i think it was very well crafted so that you wouldn't even make the association until you were told and then the punchline gets revealed and everyone is like whoa we're living in mass hypnosis we're living in mass delusion um we're living in this mass fantasy delusion that this should be okay. And I don't know too much about like the evolution of speed limits and whatnot. Um, but I know that the industrial revolution has a um, inertia towards efficiency, mechanical efficiency and most systems that are designed by engineers in that industrial revolution paradigm is um, to maximize the output of some of some well 
I don't want to get Marxian. I don't want to get into theories of capitalism, but I will say one definition of capitalism being that humans themselves become the raw material and human labor is measured by capitalists as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a resource to be exploited and to be put to work in factories, adding value to the machine, the machining of production. So, the system itself and the dead material infrastructure of the system is actually what is being preserved. What they're doing is they're preserving the roads and the lights and this they're preser- there's more more energy and more money and more um more more capital put into maintaining the status quo of the car culture um industries and public infrastructure all that stuff that's what's being preserved human life is expendable so that the machine can perpetuate at a, at a, at a faster pace and of course i mean i wonder like yeah if they if they do figure out artificial intelligence for self-driving vehicles um and they can prove that through artificial intelligence we can reduce casualties um <laughs> human human casualties by taking that factor of the human error of driving out of the equation then the next thing they will probably do within a nanosecond is push the limits of how fast you can make those driverless vehicles go <laughs> so so transportation times could cut in half gdp could skyrocket and and they will choose what number of deaths and casualties from that high-speed, artificially intelligent, self-driving vehicle paradigm is the acceptable amount to, to, to prevent any outrage that would cause a real disruption of that status quo. So, <laughs> I mean, I think about, I've always thought, why are we driving in cars that aren't more like bumper cars where they can roll they could i mean bumper cars don't roll but to me the idea is like once i even on a bike you know like once i am moving more than like a fraction of a mile per hour once i'm moving faster than foot speed i think about and i've survived skateboarding accidents that could have killed me um it took me, I had to learn the hard way why you need to wear a helmet on a skate, skateboard or a bicycle. Helmets have saved my life on bicycles and I've mostly been an avid cyclist in my life. I, I mean, well, it's been a big part of my life. Skateboarding, bicycling, walking, etc. So um, I have a well-balanced life experience. But to me, this... Um, putting my body in a machine that moves very fast, whether I'm controlling it or partially controlling it or not controlling it at all, in a war zone of other vehicles, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, is very disturbing what we have come to accept about that. And then the future of it doesn't, doesn't get that much more redemptive in my mind. Um, and also, given that what I know about cybersecurity now, which is more than I ever thought I would care to know, uh, I realize um, you 
mechanize and cyberize and internet connect all of these devices. I mean, the outcome of a hacked home surveillance device, like a door front, a door camera, or a uh, 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 automatic or a voice-activated light switch, whatever it is, all of the Internet of Things devices. You don't have to be a, a hacker or you don't have to go to uh, DEF CON to find out from the hacker community how poorly designed the security architecture is of most Internet of Things devices. And so the idea of me stepping into a self-driving vehicle knowing that vehicle is not being driven by its own algorithm, it's being fed data from the internet, feeding data back to the internet, and the internet itself is prone to being um, a vector of, of hacking malicious hackers who could make a cottage industry out of um, <laughs> driverless vehicle hitman dot, hitman.com. And you just press a button and it spits out some code. That code would... Um, identify the 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 vehicle uh, of the of the target and it would um, give it GPS directions to take a long drive off a short pier with you in it so you know dystopian comedy I don't know where to file that one but it's no joke it doesn't get safer because it gets higher tech in fact the attack surface increases and it gets more vulnerable to every Every kid in their mom's basement with a bad attitude who's smarter and faster on the keyboard than you are and who puts your life in risk and you put your life in their hands. So whatever I can do to not put my life in the hands of every teenage hacker in the world, not to mention advanced persistent threat actors, nation state actors, uh, crypto thieves. Uh, if your car eventually has a Bitcoin lightning network node running so that it can buy its own gas while you uh, play uh, metaverse games for NFTs while it's driving, well that car now could be worth as much crypto as it's holding and someone could want to take that car and while you're not paying attention, drive it into a bad neighborhood where a uh, you know cartel-funded group of gangsters is going to strip the car, strip you, take all of your crypto, and take all the car's crypto, and do it all using a privacy token that has yet to be hacked by the three-letter agencies and the blockchain analytics companies who who get hired by those three-letter agencies. So. With all of that said, some of us, including myself, still have to, at times, get on the road and drive as close to the speed limit as we feel comfortable for our own safety, safety of others, compliance with the law, etc. And... Um, I'm not the safest driver, I'm not the best driver, I'm not the smartest driver, but I have become far more conservative in my road safety protocols than ever before in my life. And that continues to be, uh, I continue to 
to improve and enhance my my road safety protocols um the less time i spend driving because <laughs> if you have to drive every day you're gonna start cutting corners on everything and that's a fact no don't even need to go into detail explaining that but um, i'm not sitting on a high horse i'm just saying fear is healthy fear is good if it is the fear that makes you act and i'm very fearful about the the state of the roads and i'm more sensitized to to it than ever now at this point in my life and so i'm gonna get to get now to the the fun part of all of this um unpleasantness the fun part of exploring this unpleasant unpleasantness is what I feel would be um, a, a multi-million dollar shark tank unicorn investable fortune venture capital what fortune 500 VC of the year whatever you whatever you want to do you take this idea you hear this you got the Silicon Valley connections um, or you own uh, you know a, a, a profile pick NFT that made you rich overnight and you want to give back somehow to an idea and you have you want to build a team for it here is the idea here is the concept and if it's already done and i don't know about it and you know about it please let me know because i will be i will be its number one customer i will be the number one customer of a of a an application that allows drivers to rent garage spaces from businesses and private citizens for short duration periods of time with no fancy schmancy amenities necessary but could be perks could be bonuses could be extra um, premium features but what I understand uh, in my heart knowing how difficult it is to get adequate rest in this paradigm of the road you have to be a customer to use a restroom in most places parks have very limited hours of acceptable legal usage parking on the side of the road and taking a nap can get you um, a, a hefty ticket if not get you put in jail with your vehicle impounded i have studied the laws of vehicle dwelling i have been a law-abiding vehicle dweller in the city and county of los angeles over the course of many years and i've read the laws i have read the articles i have experienced the sweeps and crackdowns um it's a shit show it's only getting worse the places that i thought were the the, the sweetest spots where i would car camp in in the county and city of la now they're more congested than ever they're more dangerous than ever there's more trash than ever and so you know i'm not trying to say you know vote for me for mayor but what i'm saying is that if you are a driver and you've ever experienced highway hypnosis where you start to hallucinate because the lines that you're driving over the dashed lines in front of you start acting like the hypnotist with the pendulum or the watch swinging it back and forth left and right you're getting very sleepy now you're getting very suggestive now that to your brain in that experience causes you to fall into a rut of some form of brainwave state probably a theta brainwave state where you aren't 
simply dozing off, you're actually, I've dreamt while driving, like dream, dream driving. Yeah, falling asleep at a stoplight and waking up to the horn of someone behind you praying or realizing that there is guardian, there are guardian angels because what kept my foot on the fucking brake while I had passed out, nodded off into what's called micro sleep. You know, I, I can't count the number of times I've woken up in another lane that I have started feeling like I was in a starfighter in Star Wars driving <laughs> at night and with the lights and the road, it's like, it's total, it's total insanity. And what, what stops people, obviously, if you're in a rush, or you're trying to uh, make good time on some destination, and you're gonna push yourself out of your wits, and slam coffee and slam energy drinks and pills of whatever kind, hopefully not the really nasty pills. But truck drivers are regulated they as far as i know their trucks will programmatically shut down if and prevent them from driving more than the federally mandated number of hours they're allowed to drive in a day so that's a little more dialed in than the average um the average um citizen driving and another thing I want to mention, I did hear of a technology where there's a laser. You have to wear some sort of um, like like headband that would um, maybe not. Maybe now it just looks. It just is able to do facial recognition or something. But basically, like a, a laser pointer that is gonna know if your head drops and nods, it's gonna beep like crazy so that you're scared awake and you don't swerve off. And, you know, think about all the roads that have those blessed um, indentations that so that if you veer off, they're going to make a loud rumbling. And that, that saved my life, you know, a few times at least. Uh, we have these controls, these like safety driving security controls in place. Um, and But what we lack, and this is where it gets fun for me to think about as a sort of... Um, uh, I guess for now, early retired tech entrepreneur who has early retired because of successes in the um, the post dot com um, tech uh, industries. That's why I'm able to have the freedom to think about driving and without having to drive at the moment or very drive very seldomly, very seldom the. Um, the fun part, the missing piece to all of the very punitive and very sort of um, restrictive controls is like, hey, did anybody ever think about what it would be like to um, accommodate people to be able to rest more? You know, um, like what if it was like, yeah, you're late to work, but it's excused because you can prove that you were actually resting rather than putting yourself and others in danger on the road. And so when I think about what Airbnb has done, um, and I should just say what the sharing economy has done, so it's broader than one company, but it's like, I get the risks. If you were to have, I mean, they call them like what, short whatever the term is for the motels that are basically designed for people to shoot up, turn tricks and do drug deals in, and you can rent a motel room for 
increments of one hour or less or whatever and those are obviously the shadiest places on earth and it's a miracle that they exist in some 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 uh, gray area of, of legality to do that but obviously it's a it's a honeypot for investigators and sting operators of course they would get their quota you know in one day of just going door to door to sweep that whole place but also in a, an increasingly dangerous world for me i'm like i don't like to i don't like to leave get i don't like my my vehicle to go out of my sight and if you're a car camper and your life is in your vehicle you really don't want to let your vehicle get out of your sight and i'm i don't live in my vehicle on the road the way i used to but if i go out in the world i've got a bug out bag i've got food and water supplies i've got medical supplies and that mobility platform is going to allow me to conduct my civilian mission and operations and meet my objectives in a way that has a primary a, a what is the what is the acronym um primary auxiliary contingency and emergency so basically at from at least two or more if not four or more uh what ifs worst case scenarios where you know never letting less than half a half a tank of gas be used um or maintaining more than a half tank of gas for the most part um having food and water there that's a whole vehicle preparedness bug out vehicle discourse that is easy to find if you're curious about that but it's like yeah i don't want to i i would not want to in this day and age of all times get a hotel room or a motel room um and then leave my vehicle to be attacked and stolen or stolen from right so i think about like what is an elegant solution it would be what if commercial properties private citizens residential properties what if they were to accommodate drivers who are on road trips or commuting or whatever it is they're doing of course they're going to sign a terms of service agreement that says they would not be doing conducting any business or illegal activities if they're for the duration of their time renting that that space but but if you didn't need your garage and you could put you know your <laughs> the, the the as seen on TV junk that you never use you put that in storage or you have a yard sale or give it away or whatever and and you could invest a little bit in making a garage that has nothing to steal from it and that really couldn't be damaged that much and you have some however they work out insurance the way they do with the sharing economy in general it's like if you could tell me that i could pay you know less than a overnight charge at a hotel or motel at the lower end for a commuter if you could charge me less than them less than they would and you can add value to me by making that that opportunity safer than than a a, a than a sketchy pimp infested drug infested <laughs> crack motel or i could possibly put my vehicle at risk and go into a room with bed bugs and maybe and hear screaming and gunshots and possibly get robbed you take those risk factors away and you give me a competitive price and you allow me 
to do what is humanly necessary to do, which is to sleep adequately and to take the first nod as the indication I'm off on the next exit and I'm not going to ruin my stomach and my urinary tract and my nervous system and make my age myself twice as fast and have gray hairs at 20 with extra caffeine to stay on that road. I'm going to say no more caffeine, no more driving, one nod and I'm going on that app. I'm pulling over and going on that app and I'm going to go pay someone to protect myself from the vector of the threat of being molested by the police or molested by pimps, prostitutes, drug dealers, etc. Eliminating risk factors. And if I could just pay on an app, roll into somebody's barren garage, shut the door behind me, accommodate my own waste management, if you will, sleep for a few hours, wake up rested enough, have a little bit of flexibility. It's like, you know, let yourself, whatever. It's easy to program that stuff. You know, it's very easy to program that stuff. Like one price for two hours, one price for four hours, one price for eight hours, maximum time limit no no repair work it's not but but the thing is the nuance is that fuck man what if a auto shop had a fucking option to where you could pull in rest and when the business opens in the morning they're going to they're going to offer to do the diagnosis that you might need like oh you're overheating and you can barely make it anywhere and you get to a place where you can rest you can pause i watched a documentary about truck drivers uh an ai documentary and they showed a truck driver who was out of the good the goodness of their heart gifted the freedom to sleep in his truck while they were working on it because he's a trucker and he's a thousand miles from his home and he's trying to save money and he's living on a shoestring budget anyway and he's because of deregulation and deunionization and whatnot this was an expose on just how horrific it is the the income the net income of a owner operator out there truck driver and good blessings uh for him he he could accommodate himself in terms of um well, they're somewhat. Some of the trucks are equipped with bathrooms. Some of them are not. Some of them don't have a bed. You don't even have any room whatsoever. But I feel for the truckers, and in my heart, I am in solidarity with the truckers because I have learned that they live in this legal gray area where if they park somewhere and sleep, they're not going to get a ticket for vehicle dwelling. Uh, they're not going to get fucked with as long as they're not using their air horns or air brakes or whatever in a residential zone they kind of are allowed to live in this this gray area and i figured and i found out and discovered that i could i could more safely um vehicle dwell by 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 tailgating these truckers and sleeping where they sleep and parking where they park and I would have um, just far better safety. And, and, and I'm definitely alive because of them and because of that 
discovering that because my life was threatened living in vehicles on skid row by ex-cons out there trying to rob me you know i mean so there's a lot of a thought and emotion that goes into this and i think um yeah god if i only could have over all of those years and if i could only for the rest of my driving life have an option to pull over go on an app and anywhere in the country or the world be able to because there are not enough rest stops that's guaranteed i looked at the laws last time because i this time i said i have no excuse not to do the contingency planning that the the special forces mentors that i have now thanks to their prolific online video and podcast educational efforts to engage in what they call knowledge transfer with the civilians of their own country after they have been deployed train and equip strangers of a foreign land civilians for them to become lethal warriors if they can go in their minds and paraphrasing if those special operators could have a lucrative well some would argue but they could have a game thicket of gainful employment teaching tactical secrets to strangers in other countries around the world not knowing if within a year they could become the rebels of the rebels of the rebels themselves and start killing american soldiers with american hardware that they train americans train them to use and they say to themselves light bulb moment look at everything is happening in america it's melting down in so many ways while we were out there fighting oil wars i'm paraphrasing but they realize damn I'm not saying that they regret what they did, but they are realizing the irony that they spent that time and they were legally allowed to go and teach deadly force tactics and strategies um to stranger peoples of foreign lands whereas their own neighbors are probably the most threatening force for a lot of reasons mainly because they lack that the ethics and the training and the duty the responsibility the good citizenship that comes from from a a a, a i dare say a a military culture of training which um which i'm only really scratching the surface of as a larping posing wannabe who just has these man crushes with my with the the podcast uh, hosts that i'm that i'm fans of now or that i read their books or watch their videos etc but i appreciate that what they're doing and the spin they're taking on it now is like we need to be the green berets and the navy seals who are teaching the indige of our own neighborhood <laughs> and making survivalism less of a uh mockery in the media and making it a a um a, a civic duty with a with peer pressure that's positive and and a, and a a uh, really using their influential power of their title as former special operators using that power to um to drive drive traffic to practical moderate centrist survivalist lifestyle upgrades that um that, that 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 have just been fringe otherwise so i i salute those people who are taking field survivalism 
that that they dip, that their lives had been dependent on that worked for them in the most dangerous environments and bringing that home and teaching people um providing free resources and paid resources etc i salute them i appreciate them so much and i think differently every time i do anything go anywhere and it's really this is all me having this expressing myself in this way it is you know my life experiences you know stand alone but the the impetus for me making this episode is 100% the the effect of being humbled by the the depth of wisdom and and um and respect for life that comes from the people who are for whatever ideologically questionable purpose you know if the mission is to to if 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 survive if the mission's success depends on you yourself surviving and you maintaining the survival of your teammates <laughs> that's that's the honorable thing whatever the mission is you may not agree with what the mission objectives are politically or whatever but what it takes in order to succeed in that mission are skills of survival that most Americans no longer have and my father definitely had all of those skills and none of that knowledge transfer happened to me so i'm an orphan i'm a tactical orphan in this world a tactical bastard child so anybody who fills that empty space in my experience of life to be a father figure or a big brother figure i have a lot of catching up to do and i have a lot of humility and respect for those who would um make it even possible for me to dare imagine that i might ever be um you know come up to their knees of of survivability you know so anyway that's a lot of um praise that i want to shout out i'm not going to exactly put names to it because there there are a number of them but um but that's where this is coming from i mean when i think about the words that they use like bedding down across enemy lines and sleeping under a toyota truck uh, and, and and all of the thinking all the security factors rotating the watching having navigators it's like yeah we're we don't know what we're missing as civilians who do not have teams around our missions you know if the mission is to survive traffic to get to work and back like maybe you could pay somebody to sit there and watch you to make sure you're not nodding off and maybe you can afford to employ that person for that job <laughs> so that you can survive and a military tactical thinker would think about those contingencies things like that what happens if your vehicle breaks down i will tell you the most single most the ultimate gem of my entire career as a driver was having spent extra time i mean un- unbelievable amounts of time really trying to think through all of the what ifs of me leaving my property to go out in the world for any reason and to use public roads to do it and and i thought of so many things now i added so many th- factors to those what ifs and 
of all of the things from how much water to take, how many bills to pay in advance, um, how many, how, what the, what the map of the rest stops are, where, what the local shops are calling, calling my insurance companies, figuring out what exactly the fine prints of their policies are, making sure I'm in compliance and I don't get surprised by having lapsed on something like this is stuff I never would have done before, before being influenced by these, uh, by these ex ex military folks. But these are all things that they were sitting in team rooms discussing with whiteboards and they were wargaming and tabletopping everything that could possibly go wrong from point A to the objective and back. And um, and that was their job, you know, but it's not most people. It's not our job. We don't get paid to think about how we're going to be survivable. We cut corners on survivability and we put ourselves and others at great risk and we justify it. And we numb out with Netflix. Well, no offense to Netflix. <laughs> Full disclosure, I'm not an investor, but no, I'm saying, uh, you know, we numb out with entertainment. And we don't do things like sitting in a, a team room and really um, planning out the risk factors of, of, what we, of what we do. And that's a real tragedy. So for me, that one factor, the thing is I realized, wait a minute the title to my vehicle i don't remember if i leave it in, there's there's reasons why not to leave it in leave it in the in the the glove compartment some people just do it because they put all of their vehicle documents in that one place um I've done it before without thinking just out of convenience or whatever. Oh, that's where car stuff goes. There's reasons why that's not a good idea to put it there. I'm not going to go into those. I mean, it's always replaceable. But there have been times where, and I realize this, I'm like, there's been times where I couldn't find the title. I didn't know where I put it. I put it in some storage unit or put it in some house or whatever. So that core piece of intelligence if I dare say, as a, as a as a absurdist LARPer, by trying to t sound tactical by using any of these terms, the knowledge of the whereabouts and the accessibility of the vehicle title, I realize that is a big deal because if you were on a road trip and you break down or you get hit and you your vehicle is totaled or you total your vehicle and you want to junk it at that moment, if you don't have that document not just in your vehicle but in your pocket is that you survived and escaped conscious or unconscious i have been pulled out of a overturned vehicle on the side of the highway unconscious by first responders and i woke up with only what i had in my pockets and most of what was in the vehicle was strewn across a mile stretch leading up to where the accident occurred which was the result of a, a back wheel a back tire a used back tire and this, that was the last time i will buy used tires no offense to used tire dealers but it was a uh, it was a used tire that i bought and I'm not saying it's because it was used, but it just happened to be a used tire. It blew out. I was driving probably the speed limit, maybe a little more at that time. I was a younger driver. And before I knew it, it felt like the force of God had come down. It felt like God came down with a steel-toed boot and kicked the back of my car so that I spun I don't know how many times 
and I was fully awake, fully conscious. I was not dozing off. They, I believe that's what they assumed had to have happened because there were no other vehicles, thankfully, involved in the wreck. But I felt this unimaginable uh, force just pushing me into the next lane. And unbeknownst to me, what had happened was the the driver's side rear tire blew out. And at that speed, there was no no way to uh, counteract that force of being spun like a top. And then, and then I think from whatever the force was, my understanding is that what happened was at full speed, the, the vehicle spins however many times and at whatever angle smashes against the right side of the road um, into... I don't believe it was a guardrail. It would have had to have just been rock, a rock face, and then did whatever it did from that impact to where I ended up upside down with with two or more of the wheels folded completely right angle under the vehicle, like the like the 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 wheels on the uh, on the DeLorean when it flies in Back to the Future, where they fold up and under. The wheels were folded under, the roof and windshield was pancaked in and totally flattened, and windows were broken, safety glass everywhere, and I knew that that skidding took place for quite a while because when I went to go recover the vehicle after I got out of the hospital days later, I borrowed a vehicle of a friend, I drove out, and I was like, oh my god, this is like, that was the box of food I had and I'm still driving. Oh, that was my tape collection. And then, oh, those are my tools. Like these artifacts along the road. Well, I must be getting close. Or I must be getting close to where it was. And I went and I gathered up. Um, I mean, the vehicle was impounded. But when I passed that, I saw. Oh, there's a bunch of stuff I should go gather. Vehicle was impounded. I've got pictures of it. It was a fucking pancake. And so probably the impact that made me unconscious was uh, was actually the roof of the vehicle crushed in upside down on top of my head. And when I found when I went to the, see the vehicle at the impound lot, the it, it, it appears that the force just the force again. I had some some neck injury from it. Luckily, I mean, it could have killed me. It should have killed me. I should have been paralyzed or debilitated from it miraculously i came out with no scratches barely a bruise and a little well enough neck pain that i couldn't lift my head for a week but it was not you know it was not um there was no permanent damage done and uh and i think now i don't even know how that vehicle got handled after that i mean it was just absorbed into the system you know it was junked by default but that was irresponsible of me as a, as a driver, as a citizen to, um, well, to, to, to not, to not think through what I've thought through now, which is like, if that, that could happen anytime because somebody, somebody rear ends you or there's something in the road that you have to avoid and that causes you to swerve out. I mean, at a certain point of speed, I'd say anything past 65 miles an hour, I'm not saying I never ever drive more than 65, but I'm just saying in my experience, like at a, whatever speed it is, and it depends on the weight of the vehicle, and that's something you have to adjust to if you have a new vehicle and whatnot. There's a lot of variables, but certainly there is 
some formula to where, you know, whether or not the brakes are anti-locks or not, it's just like, I never knew that that was even possible. Like no one told me, hey dude, if you blow out a tire at that speed, you're gonna spin like a top, hit the side of the road, wake up upside down, being pulled out by first responders. And I'd be like, damn, well, I think I'll just drive a little bit slower because I would like to drive at the speed where if I start swerving or something weird happens, then then I can just correct it and, and slow down and pull over or whatever. Like, no, that was completely out of my control and completely not my negligence other than driving on a used tire. If that that's the only thing I could I could attribute it to. Um doesn't mean that new tires won't blow out or be improperly installed or whatever. So just that you know that you get scared, you get scared straight after certain things and um you know, I don't like being an aggressive driver. I don't like passing people uh too often passing people forces you to drive you know 80 90 miles an hour sometimes and it could be the safest thing to do for you to pass them like passing these giant trucks that are fucking halfway in your lane you know just and they not even because they're nodding off but just because that's the fucking way it is you know so it's very treacherous but i would say after all of the planning i did what am I going to do if this happens? Am I going to be insured? Am I going to have a place to get work done? What am I? Where am I going to sleep if I have to get work done? Am I going to pay to get myself taken back? What's the point of no return? What is... You know, all these things I figured out and I worked through. And the thing that didn't appear to me obvious at first, but it came as sort of emergent property of going through that thinking was like, wait a minute, where the fuck is the title? Because if you don't have that title, not just in your glove box but actually on your person, if you get an accident, you lose consciousness. I even think about what happens if they have to cut your clothes off because they're operating on you in an accident. You better hope that the, that the contents of your pockets don't get stolen or that those clothes don't get become part of the wreckage. So yeah, there's, um, there's critical, you know, I would say having a, having a necklace with um, encrypted uh, micro hard drives in it is is a good thing, and a waterproof one at that. <laughs> and I think that is a given. That's not giving away my my trade secrets. That's I would yeah. I I should probably make a point to any gift I ever give anyone. It's going to be that little kit. You know, here's a drive. Here's how to encrypt and decrypt it, and here's a 550 paracord necklace for that, and then a waterproof um little match they, they they sell them as uh waterproof match containers at the army surplus store you put drive in there encrypt it it's got important documents so you can rebuild your digital life on any computer anywhere and um and then i know that if my clothes get cut off and everything is gone and i wake up the way i did that one time and all i have is you know as long as my neck wasn't injured or swelling i should have that around my neck and uh not getting into encrypted cloud solutions but that's part of that too but i will say you know hopefully as long as my pants fucking stay on or they don't get robbed <laughs> you know then in the worst case scenario which would be the unthinkable which would be being in an accident where you no longer have access to that glove box where you might have your the, the title of the vehicle i realize that like 
to be responsible and properly dispose of a total vehicle, you need to have a title that you can sign over to the um, to the business or person who is going to want to maybe pay you a hundred bucks for them to be able to strip it and junk it, you know, scrap it. That's what I did with the last vehicle I had that uh, blew a gasket. Ultimately, after you know serving me well for a number of years. Um, I drove the wheels off it, no pun intended, but uh, I drove it until it was it was no longer you know economically viable to repair and at that point, that was the deal and Luckily, I did have because I was living in my car at that time, and all of my documents were in that car it wasn 't a problem, but I did have to go oh shit where 's the title? Oh okay, well, I live in my car it 's somewhere where my oh it 's in my you know where I keep this or that so that's an interesting thought. One thing I wanted to go off the rails on to, to, to share that thought of like how I felt and how appreciative I felt for, you know, the, the lessons that I'm learning from these uh, from these folks to think about like, yeah, well, good job. You get an A plus for figuring out where you're going to sleep so that you can safely uh, drive over a multi-day period and not spend a bunch of money and stay with your vehicle, which I don't know of a motel that lets you park and sleep in your fucking car before they call the cops and get you a fine or kick you the fuck out of there. The war on healthy rest for drivers is the most asinine thing. I have to put myself in so much risk of legal compliance and of being attacked by crazy homeless people and I'm a crazy homeless person but I'm non-violent but there are very violent crazy homeless people who attack non-violent crazy homeless people like me <laughs> so you've got all these threat vectors and a permaculture design thinking cap goes on and I say to myself wait a minute there's more to gardening to, and there's more to permaculture than gardening people care is one of the three ethics and I think a lot more people care could go into a permaculture designed car culture where it's not just the bike, the bicyclists versus the versus the versus the 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 the, the, the what do they call it? The motorists. It's not just the, the cyclists versus the motorists or the pedestrians versus the cyclists and the motorists or the or the the. Uh, gas and diesel versus the electric or the hybrid this is a bigger factor which is well rested driving to avoid highway hypnosis which i don't know i've never seen one of those little electric billboard things that says <laughs> instead of saying drunk driving you know instead of saying um uh the PSAs that they put out about everything else, um, that I never see them say something like, get a tax, get, get a tax credit for downloading an app that allows you to sleep safely somewhere far from the, the official rest area, which there are not enough of, you know, like, they could find they could find a fucking they could make a QR code they could make a bitly link they could do a uh, what do they call it the the short link text messages the SMS like <laughs> pull over and send an SMS message says you know highway hypnosis and if you send that message boom you go to download an app and it says 
Would you like to stay in a in a in a secure private or commercial garage with running water, with restroom accommodations, or none of the above? Here are the prices. Here are the offers within the radius that you specify, and if you can make it there with what's left in your, you know, uh, your cognitive ability functioning, um, then by all means, get yourself some rest, do it safely, do it affordably, and do it legally. And, um, as far as I'm concerned, the infrastructure to do that already exists. Anybody who has a sharing economy account where they can offer whatever they have to offer, I don't see how, I mean, I'm, I would be curious if it would even be a violation of their terms, whatever the terms are. But like, I don't think you're required to provide a bathroom. I mean, people probably rent the most bizarre things for, for camping and whatnot. So like, yeah, call it, call it garage car camping, no water, no bathroom you can only be there this many hours obviously nothing illegal you know uh and whatever i don't care if you want to surveil me put a security camera on there all you're gonna do is hear me fucking snoring <laughs> and i will use my whatever my diy crafted luggable lou type of uh well i'm not trying to throw out any sponsorships or anything or i'm trying to throw out any brand names but it's like um you know, there's some gray area for you having human waste products contained within your vehicle. Um, you have to have a permit to transport things like porta potties. But if you're traveling and you have, you know, your whatever, I don't know what all the laws are. That's for the Silicon Valley startup incubator lawyers to figure out what nuance you have to have about human waste product management for consumer or uh for 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 average uh, <laughs> average citizen non-commercial whatever i don't know all that nuance of a law but i know one thing it's going to take more than self-driving vehicle artificial intelligence to make the road safer and i don't think we're ever going to reduce the speed limits that's a one-way ratchet and it only goes higher the more they can push it to squeeze more life out of human beings and fucking more energy out of robots to rape the planet faster to to to, to bolster the gdp and wall street sorry to say that's the fact and call me whatever you want for saying that but if you care about life as a permaculture informed person and you want to care about people care care about people care then maybe you're the one to take this notion and run with it and and make it a reality so that the next time i go hopefully i would like to go three fucking years not three months i, I would prefer to never drive again if i could and i'm almost there i'm almost 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 there if it <laughs> if the climate changes to a wet to a, a wet winter, if, if the if it starts raining again, I'm not driving ever again. Almost at that point, <laughs> I'm almost at that fucking point where if it fucking starts raining again, you will never see me on the fucking road again. That is the infrastructure that I have built during the crypto bull run of 2021. 
If it stays dry like this and I gotta go out on the road more often than I'd like, I would for damn sure love to be able to pull over, pull up an app, find a safe, affordable, legal place to rest adequately without pushing the caffeination, without risking highway hypnosis, uh, risking my life, other people's lives. And, and I would really, really like to see that happen. And uh, I would probably be an early investor if someone could make that happen. And hey, maybe it just all it takes is a hashtag for it to become trendy on the existing the existing infrastructure. So it doesn't even need to be a whole new reinventing the wheel, no pun intended, to actually make that a thing. And like I said before, if everything I'm describing is something that you already do, already know about, and I'm just like a boomer because I didn't see that uh, already on a on a a short video social media platform of of whatever of du jour i didn't already know that that's a hashtag i didn't already know that there's a million people with millions of viral videos of how they transform their garage into a place for drivers to safely rest then i'm in the dark i'm a boomer please help me out do me a favor and and connect me with what I need for that to for that to happen. But man, that is the one thing the one Achilles heel of vehicular travel short and long distance again because obviously long distance driving if you're driving across the country, you can probably figure out how to get yourself to the rest stops if you don't want to park somewhere in a hotel or motel to rest but it's more of the situation of like oh my god like there's an accident traffic is backed up for miles a two-hour commute that actually should be a 20-minute commute with no traffic it's two hours in rush hour and it's four hours in rush hour with one accident and you run out of gas or you uh, had a long day at the office and you're drowsy and you're like, fuck it, I'm not even going to try to get home tonight. I, w- I will, and I'm nodding off and I'm highway hypnosis, let me just pull over anywhere and find a way to be able to get some rest without risking being molested by criminals or by the boys in blue. Please help, <laughs> help us, please God, please God is help us, those who have learned the hard way and fear greatly the, the unthinkable horror of, of being injured or killed in an automobile accident and worse than ever, the compounding horror and hellish karma of ever causing harm to anyone else i say that again i'm not a fucking (laughs) saint i'm just learning and the more i value my the more i've more valuable my life is the more i valuable value my life the more i care about staying out of trouble being legally compliant and taking it a step further and and going the extra mile to 
add layers of safety and security to my lifestyle so that I don't jeopardize the life that I value and certainly do not uh, put other people's uh, life at risk and have that be a, an evolving and ongoing project. Um, and uh, that's that. So I hope you can some in some ways commiserate and hopefully in some ways um, maybe... If you're a young whippersnapper and you've got all kinds of uh, energy to throw that you're, if you got all kinds of energy that you're bouncing off the walls with, and you're the kind of go-getter who's just gonna say, "Oh yeah, give me a, hash, a hashtag and I'll go do the guerrilla marketing to make it a viral whatever," because I'm a social media wizard and that's just how I roll and I get paid the big bucks for it or whatever. It's like you can steal that idea. Go and make it happen. Once upon a time in my 20s, you know, late 20s, early 30s, that was me. I was on top of all the platforms and working it. I was working it very hard. And I know today um, you can work smarter and not harder given how much more sophisticated the technology is. And um, anybody could make it hip to make sleeping adequate rest 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 well rested driving a a hip trendy thing that has a lot of furnishings to facilitate it you know but as of now i don't care how fucking enlightened you are if you're a, you run a yoga studio and you're late cuz you went to go get your uh crap of frappuccino <laughs> whatever the fuck wherever the fuck you got it for, you know, uh, however much money, I'm not trying to be critical, you know, harsh to anybody, whatever, but it's like anybody who gambles with the, the, their soul's karma by rushing anywhere or pushing their sleep, you know, um, They're pushing their body's natural need for sleep. Um, they they could appreciate the 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 the, the spiritual value of um, of having more infrastructure to accommodate a, a, a safer and healthier driving lifestyle. <laughs> so. Yeah, rest up and buckle up uh, if if you care, and I will I will be trying to do the same. Cheers.